morning. morning. Welcome to worship today. A special, special welcome to those joining us online or by phone. We're very glad that you are here. Uh, just a, a few uh, announcements before we begin. Um, you, you may have heard, but if you, in case you haven't, uh, we've postponed our tamales-making uh, event, which was going to happen today until next Sunday. Uh, Leticia got, be, became sick this week, and so we're going to wait until she's uh, uh, better because she's the one who knows what she's doing. So we're, we're, uh, <laughs> uh, if you're watching Leticia, we hope you and Eric are both feeling better. Um, so sorry to those who might have been expecting that today. We, we will do that next week after church. Um, we had also planned to do uh, cards and generosity next Sunday uh, with uh, the lay ministry and congregational life team, um, which I think we could still do just at the same time. We'll have people uh, uh, doing cards and filtering in and doing tamales. It'll be a big, fun event, so stick around next Sunday after church. Uh, take a moment to review the other um, announcements printed in your bulletin, including our Christmas schedule, um, so you can make plans for that. Um, just a few uh, updates um, to our prayers. Uh, Joanne Fabie, uh, Joanne, if you're with us online, we're, we're glad that you're, you're home. Joanne sent me a message just saying that she wanted to express her thanks to all of those who have kept her, uh, kept her in your prayers um, as she has uh, had her hip replacement and her fall and then uh, is now home again after having that fixed. So uh, we're thinking of you, Joanne, and we're glad that you are home. Also uh, heard that um, uh, well, we're keeping Jim Sfano in our prayers this morning as he has a, a surgery going on today. So please uh, pray for Jim Sfano. Are there other announcements we should make today? Just to thank you to all those who helped with the two funerals we had this week. We're continuing to hold the, the Rupenthals and the Kalishes in our prayers. The Shars uh, family left the, these flowers up here in front from the, the services, service on Friday, so we're continuing to hold them in prayer at this time. Not seeing any other announcements, we will uh, begin our service with our prelude music.
stand as you're able and face the baptismal font. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be God's name forever. Amen. Beloved, now is the time to wake from sleep. Let us confront our sins and confess them to the one who is merciful and just. God of new beginnings, we confess that we have not welcomed your holy reign. We have strayed from your paths. We prepare for war instead of peace. We dishonor one another and your vocation. Purify us with your refining fire. Set us again on your way of love, that we may bear fruit worthy of repentance and welcome your coming among us. Amen. People of God, a new thing is growing in our midst, a tender branch, a living sign. By water and the Spirit, you are joined to this wonder. You have put on Christ, and your sins have been washed away. Rejoice in the way of the Lord.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. pray. Holy God, in the wilderness season of our own lives, we are drained, distressed, disoriented, and in despair. But you are Lord in and of the wilderness, and your word is like water in the desert. We ask that you move through our dry places. Where we are drained, replenish us. Where we are distressed, restore us. Where we are disoriented, reorient us, and when we despair, revitalize us. We ask this through Jesus Christ, the one who came to save. Amen. Please be seated. And please join me in this prayer as we light our Advent wreath. Let us pray. Praise to you, O God who holds our joy and sorrow. You bring water to parched ground and life out of death. Bless us as this light grows and send sorrow and sighing to flee away. Give us strength and patience, trusting that you are true to your promises. Transform the lives of all who suffer with your wonders near at hand. First reading is from Isaiah chapter 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the ma majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make, make firm the feeble knees. 
Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with a vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The hunt of just the haunt of jackals shall become a swamp, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Word of God, word of life. My spirit rejoices in God, my the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For you, Lord, have looked with favor on your lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. You, the Almighty, have done great things for me, and holy is your name. You have mercy on those who fear you from generation to generation. My spirit shown strength with your arm and scattered the proud in their conceit, casting down the mighty from their thrones and lifting up the lowly. You have filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. You have 
have come to the aid of your servant Israel to remember the promise of mercy, the promise made to our forebears, to Abraham and his children forever. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. The second reading for today is from James chapter 5. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to Matthew, the 11th chapter. Glory to you. When John heard in prison 
what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to Jesus, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken in the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. And God give you grace and peace and joy, friends. The third Sunday of Advent is traditionally centered on joy. It's the day where we light the joy candle on our wreath. So it seems fitting that we would hear Isaiah's vision of joy as our first reading. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return, the prophet writes, and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Anticipate, anticipate joy, Isaiah seems to say. Expect it, because God is on the move. This Advent, I've been inviting us to dwell in the ancient poems, uh, visions, and proclamation of the prophet Isaiah for all four Sundays, because we're given a reading from Isaiah each week. Now, Isaiah the preacher was active first in the 8th century B.C., but in the early days of Christianity, several hundred years later, the followers of Jesus again and again would borrow from his poetry to make sense of Jesus and Jesus' significance. Many of them would come to see in the words of Isaiah forerunners or, or uh, proclamations about who Jesus would be, that the promises of hope we find in Isaiah are ones that helped us understand who Jesus was. But part of the challenge as modern readers of Isaiah is to recognize the layers of meaning here, especially as it pertains both to the original context of Isaiah and to the ongoing value of this book for our Jewish neighbors. I've been drawing on the work of Old Testament scholar Tyler Mayfield in particular, who suggests that whenever Christians read Isaiah, it's best to read 
with a metaphorical pair of bifocals, that we need both near vision and far vision to understand him. With our near vision, we read the book through the lens of our Christian season of Advent, through our anticipation of the coming of Christ. But with our far vision, we consider how we can read this ancient text with a perspective of love and not for harm for our Jewish neighbors. The point being that we need both lenses. We need to look both with our near vision and our far vision, and that our hearing of God's word will be enriched when we try to read through the lens of love. Isaiah 35, our text for today, is a transition passage of sorts between one part of Isaiah and the next. The first section of Isaiah is full of warnings and judgments for Israel, Judah, and the nations of the world. You see, things are not going so great, especially for God's chosen people. They are careening towards disaster. Jerusalem will soon be destroyed, and the people will be dragged into exile in a foreign land. Isaiah has been called in this part of the book to announce this fate and to interpret for the people God's part in it. So by the time we get to Isaiah 35, after all those words of warning and judgment, this poem in the 35th chapter breaks forth like an oasis in the desert. The prophet opens this hymn of joy with three places where life seems improbable, if not impossible, where life seems hopeless. The prophet names the wilderness, the dry land, and the desert. Most of us with those words would picture these as barren and sparse and harsh environments, right? But Isaiah, the poet, says, the wilderness and dry land will be glad. The desert will rejoice and blossom. Life is springing forth in the places where the people least expected it. The sand in the desert is going to be replaced with a field of flowers, the prophet says, like crocuses popping up all over. The desert itself is going to be joyful, if you can imagine it, and singing. I, I'm imagining here like Julie Andrews running across this hill of sand, <laughs> singing the hills are alive with the sound of music, but as she runs this brown and dry place is turning into a luscious and green place full of blossoms. That's the vision, the strange vision, a surprising vision that Isaiah is painting here of God's future for the people. Hope is not lost. Instead, expect and dream bigger. And to drive the point home, and this is just for our context, because we might not know why he names Lebanon, Carmel, and Sharon. He names three notably fertile places, Lebanon, Carmel, and Sharon. He says the wilderness is going to be as fertile as those places. This place where you don't expect to grow anything is going to be like these other parts of the world where you can grow pretty much anything. This poem is meant to energize downtrodden people, to give them courage. This is like a shot of adrenaline from God through the prophet to those who are going through an especially tough and hopeless time. This is meant to be like a, a, you know, a kick in the pants to get the people going, to keep them moving. 
Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. In other words, keep your chins, chin up, folks, because you ain't seen nothing yet. The God who can bring life out of nothing is going to do it again. Steady your hands and quit knocking your knees together because God is on the way. In Isaiah's original context, this passage is about the return of the people to Zion, to Jerusalem. When all seemed hopeless and they were in a foreign land and things were being destroyed, everything was falling apart, Isaiah wants the people to know that God has not abandoned them. That God will make a way for them. That God will give them a future and everlasting joy will be upon their heads. Now in the time of Jesus, many of the visions of Isaiah would be ascribed to the kingdom movement and to Jesus' own ministry. In our gospel reading, for example, John the Baptist sends a question from his prison cell. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? And Isaiah, and Jesus, seems to quote the images and the language of Isaiah 35 in particular. He says to those messengers, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. To put it another way, Jesus is saying that this vision of joy and hope from the exile from hundreds of years ago is now taking place here and now in him, in his ministry, in the kingdom movement. Now I want to say that Advent is an honest season, a season of reflection and repentance. It's not a season to stuff down hardship or suffering in the name of peace or hope or joy or any of those other things we cling to. We can be honest in this season about our longings for another world, for a better life, for a time where suffering will be no more. But that doesn't mean it is a season that precludes joy. In fact, it's a season that can remind us that joy is possible at all, even in those places where we might least expect it. That sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes with the morning. That even in the desert, joy is always ever on the horizon for us. It seems to me that this is part of the enduring power of Isaiah's poetry. It wakes us up to the possibility of joy. This is not necessarily a present joy that we feel happy all the time, but an anticipated one, one that keeps us going when things get hard, one that is on the way, that is promised for us. It allows us to envision that another future is possible because all things will be possible for God. The joy, and that's the kind of joy that we hear in Mary's Magnificat, which we sang as our psalm for today. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Another future is possible, Mary knows, because she knows that the impossible happened to her, and all things will be possible for God. God's word breaks into our dull cages today, my dear siblings and promises us something new. You know, tyrants, 
worldly tyrants hate this kind of imagination. And by tyrants, I mean both literal powerful leaders, but also those impersonal tyrants that wreak such havoc in our lives. Tyrants like sin and death, poverty and discrimination, war and despair, cancer and racism. A tyrant could be the voice inside you this morning saying, there is no hope here, there is no hope for me. Tyrants like this hate prophets and visions like Isaiah. Walter Brueggemann says that every totalitarian regime is frightened of the artist and that it is the vocation of prophets like Isaiah, like Mary, to keep alive the ministry of imagination, to keep on conjuring and proposing futures alternative to the one that the powerful want, us to, ur want to urge us to think is the only possible one. The world says, don't get your hope, hopes up. Be more realistic. But the prophet says, if God is alive, you better think bigger. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. in Washington, D.C., he didn't get up and say, you know, be more realistic, let's set our sights a little bit lower. He got up and said, I have a dream today. Tyrants want to shrink our imagination. Despair wants us to shrink our imagination. The exile wanted to shrink the people's theological imagination for how God could act. It makes me think of, uh, if you remember, George Orwell's 1984, the dystopian novel. Uh, one of the details that always stuck with me is that the regime in that book would put out a new dictionary every year. And every year they'd take more words out of it, shrinking the people's vocabulary, shrinking the concepts, shrinking the imagination of the people. God's prophet does the opposite, expands our imagination for what is possible. He tells us to look at a desert and says, flowers could bloom here. Isaiah awakens courage in the people of his day by conjuring this vision of flowers blooming in the desert, a seemingly impossible sight, an expansive vision of joy that could tear a tyrant from a throne. Because the prophet knows that another kingdom is on the way, like, one, like a highway through the desert. Tyler Mayfield suggests that maybe we need to write our own poem of joy for Advent to awaken our courage for a different future. To create a subversive vision of joy meant to make tyrants shake in their boots. He wonders, how might we anticipate the joy of God by rewriting Isaiah 35 for our contemporary context. Can we imagine life breaking forth in places we least expect? What if we imagined a future where our acres of landfills blossomed like fields of crocuses? What, what if we picture, you know, that, that big patch of plastic and garbage in the middle of the ocean? What if we imagine God transforming that into a, a coral reef teeming with life? What if we imagined a future where people of all abilities are valued and lifted up? What if we pictured war-torn countries being filled not with bombs and violence, but with joy and singing? Do we dare to imagine a future where the hungry are fed, the homeless are housed, and the lonely are embraced? Do we dare to live into that kind of future as if God had laid it before us like a highway leading us home? Do we dare to be the people of God's future, not only someday in the future, 
but here and now, living out of that vision. My point is this, my dear siblings. I dare you to imagine joy like Isaiah today. I dare you to sing like Mary. Because here is your God. Take heart and do not be afraid. Steady your hands because God will come to save us. My dear siblings, an everlasting joy is promised for you, for us, and for all creation. Dare to imagine it. Amen.
prepared for the fullness of Christ's presence, let us pray for a world that yearns for new hope. Gracious God, we rejoice in the gifts of your spirit. Equip the global church to magnify your love and peace in every land. We pray for the work of the Lutheran World Federation and ELCA Global Mission. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Abundant God, we rejoice in your creation. Revive lands we have squandered and depleted. Make gardens flourish in cities and neighborhoods. Cleanse polluted air and water so living things may breathe, drink, and praise you. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Righteous God, we rejoice in your justice. End racism and oppression. Deliver all who are unjustly imprisoned or persecuted. Reconcile nations and peoples in conflict, especially in Yemen and Ukraine. Help us pray for our enemies. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Healing God, we rejoice in your compassion. Comfort any in distress because of worry, illness, or loss, especially Roe, Jane, Doris, Joanne, Sharon, Gloria, Rodrigo, and those we name now aloud or in our hearts. Strengthen and protect healthcare workers, rescue teams, crisis counselors, and all who risk themselves to keep others safe. God, in your mercy. Abiding God, we rejoice in your company. Give us calm and patient hearts as we gather with family and friends. Keep us mindful of those for whom this season is not happy. Console the grieving and surround them with loving support. God, in your mercy. Faithful God, we rejoice with Mary, mother of our Lord, and with all the saints, that your mercy endures for all generations. Look with favor on those who have died and lead us to joyful singing of your everlasting promises. God, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God of our longing, you know our deepest needs. By your spirit, gather our prayers and join them with the prayers of all your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. You. Take a moment to share a sign of peace with those around you.
please stand as you are able. Let us pray. Eternal God, you make the desert bloom and send springs of water to thirsty ground. Receive these simple gifts of bread, wine, and money, and make us messengers of your mercy and love for all in need of your healing and justice. We ask this through Christ our Savior. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty, and our joy that we should all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. You comforted your people with the promise of the Redeemer, through whom you will also make all things new in the day when he comes to judge the world in righteousness. And so, with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. God, the beginning and the end, our salvation and our hope. We praise you for creating a world of order and beauty. When we brought on chaos, chaos, cruelty, and despair, you sent the prophets to proclaim your justice and mercy. At this end of the ages, your son Jesus came to bring us your love and to heal all the suffering world. The night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, it's my body, given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering, therefore, his life, death and resurrection we await his coming again in righteousness and peace 
Send your spirit on us and on this bread and wine we share. Strengthen our faith, increase our hope, and bring to birth the justice and joy of your Son. To him all glory and honor is yours, Almighty Father, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, both now and forever. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught his friends to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Please be seated while we share some instructions for communion. Communion today, you'll come up the side aisles, where at the front you will uh, find uh, two tables with empty cups on them. You'll grab an empty cup and bring it with you to the railing, where it will be filled with wine and where you'll receive bread. If you need or desire uh, grape juice or gluten-free, those are also at these two side tables. Just grab them on your way forward and bring them to the railing. After you've communed at the railing, you'll return down the center aisle to your seat and you'll place your empty cup in the bowl by the center aisle. We want all friends, guests, and visitors to know that all are welcome to commune with us today because this is the Lord's table, not Trinity Lutheran's table, and he extends an invitation to you. We also extend our, our fellowship, our communion, uh, to those joining us online or by the phone. We are very glad to be united with you in the one body of, of Christ. Receive this invitation to communion. Be strong, do not fear. Here is your God who has come to save you.
Please stand as you are able. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen, keep, and unite us now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Faithful God, in this meal you have remembered your mercy, bringing heaven to earth in the body and blood of Christ. As we wait for the day when all your promises will be fulfilled, sustain us and strengthen us by this holy mystery. Guide us towards your promised future, coming to birth in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord.
I said today is a, a day of joy. I just had two other joys I wanted to share before we uh, depart with this blessing. Um, first of all, uh, we're celebrating with Mark Halverson. If you notice that he has an extra spring in his step, he just retired. So congratulations to Mark for that. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. And then we also have uh, Pastor Kristen Rice with us today. And uh, for those of you who haven't heard, uh, uh, Kristen has uh, received a new call to be the new Lutheran campus pastor at Purdue University in Indiana. So congratulations, Kristen, on that. <laughs> we will certainly miss seeing you around here, but we're very happy for you and for, for them and their ministry that they are receiving you. Um, we will have a chance to uh, send Kristen in, uh, in mission uh, in 
in January. So we'll have another opportunity to celebrate her. But I want you all to be aware of those two joys to celebrate today. Receive this blessing. God, the eternal word who dwells with us in Jesus and who holds us in the grace of the Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is to proclaim and celebrate the love of Jesus Christ, to live as God's servants in the world, and to be a caring and healing community. Go in peace. Christ is near. Thank you.